You're listening to What's Contemporary Now, a show about culture, the people, places, and things that together make it up. Sustainability is a subject that often evokes thoughts of plastic, fossil fuels, fast fashion, but sustainable fashion magazines? Not so sure. Thankfully, our guest today decided against only coloring inside the proverbial lines and went on to create more or less, the magazine with a purposefully slow once-a-year publishing cadence that not only focuses on sustainability within the fashion featured in its pages, but it prints on FSC-certified paper and donates its sales to environmental charities. Cover stars like Amber Valletta, Kate Moss, and Paloma Alcesser may have helped put it on the radar of broader audiences, but its concept and contents have certainly managed to keep the attention it's garnered along the way. I'm Jamie Perlman, and this is What's Contemporary Now. Jamie Perlman, Philadelphia born and raised, and obviously have worked across an impressive list of magazines, including your own, more or less. And so I wanted to go back to the beginning and see whether or not that was a pursuit you always had in your mind, or was it something that you discovered along the way in your studies? It definitely was something that developed. I think growing up, I always was very creative and artistic. And looking back at like my childhood bedroom, I used to have collages of magazine spreads all over the walls, but it wasn't my dream to work in magazines. I just knew I wanted to be a part of that visual world. And I loved photography, especially fashion photography. And I was extremely inspired by music. And I think probably more than anything, I thought I was going to grow up and make album covers and music videos and things like that. And When I moved to New York to go to NYU, I got really involved in this world that was really submerged in fashion in the late 90s and just got involved in people in that world from going out, from going to clubs. And I suddenly found myself working at Harper's Bazaar as my first job out of university. How does that happen? Who gets to just jump right into Harper's Bazaar, especially at that time? That was a pretty iconic period of the magazine. I know. It was amazing. I was Fabian Barron's assistant towards the end of his tenure there at the magazine. It was an incredible time to be there because it was a time of transition that I experienced there. There was an incredible editor, Liz Tilbaris, and she passed away while I was there. And I experienced the new editor coming into the magazine and how that changes everything. And it was so interesting to learn when I was like 20 years old or whatever. I can't remember how I got the job. I think somebody, it was like a friend of a friend and I got an interview and I was shocked, but I was very lucky. And what led to the jump over to American Vogue? You know, the job came up, Fabian left and there's a new editor there. There's lots of changes happening. I was super young and they offered me a higher title in the art department there. So I figured why not? And then I stayed at American Vogue for almost five years, actually. And after those five years, I think that's when you went over to British Vogue, right? Exactly. So I ended up leaving American Vogue to go to British Vogue. And that was some weird manifestation that I must have created because I had this obsession with going abroad and living in London. And I kept going over there on vacation or meeting and chatting to people. And I met with Robin Derrick, who was the creative director at the time. And he offered me a job out of the blue a few months later. So I was so lucky because, again, I was just, it was something in the back of my head. I always wanted to go to London. And then the door opened. It was fantastic. And what kind of changes did you encounter in terms of the working style or creative direction as a whole? Because obviously at that time, I think there was more of a regional aspect of fashion. It was less globalized. Oh, totally. Well, British Vogue at that time was completely different. When I was at American Vogue, it was when Anna first 
started making that transition from model covers to celebrity covers. And it was mm-hmm. like the heyday of Sex in the City and <laughs> all that was going on. And Sarah Jessica Parker would be on the cover. And it, it was suddenly fashion became all about personalities. And it, the supermodel moment had come to an end. And when I came over to London, it was still very much like Kate Moss is on the cover five times a year. And the celebrities were totally different. The aesthetic there was a bit edgier. It was a bit more rock and roll, experimental. I got to work with Nick Knight and Tim Walker at a really young age. I just had really excellent exposure. I think for me personally, as an art director, it was the perfect move because American Vogue was so seamless and it was really hard to get access to that top level of creative direction there when you're young. And I think at British Vogue, it was a bit more ad hoc, piecemeal. Everybody kind of rolled their sleeves up and got involved. So I learned so much by going to Mutton. Obviously, if you stayed there 17 years, it wasn't a bad experience. (laughs) Having recently decided to hop back across the pond, have you had any type of culture shock or just because of globalization? I'm assuming it might be a little bit more of a seamless entry than it was going the other way around. You know what? I've actually felt total culture shock. I'm not going to lie. I know I sound really American, but I didn't realize how European and British I felt. It is interesting being here and culturally, America is such a bubble in itself. I sound it quite shocking. Everything from the vocabulary to the way people do business to the way people talk to each other so different. And in terms of client expectations, do you find there to be a huge gap? I think it's definitely a more commercial aesthetic that dominates here. And I also think it's very much reliant on celebrity endorsement in many ways. I think you still have that kind of edgier, more experimental aesthetic that dominates in Europe that hasn't quite made it here. Would you say that the past few years has kind of created a before and after in terms of what creative direction looks like today or what that process is? Or do you feel like it's just been a kind of continuum? There was definitely a pre-pandemic and a during pandemic. We all learned to, I think, during the pandemic, embrace local talent. Whereas before, everybody was on a plane traveling all the time. We wouldn't be in a country more than two days to do a shoot until you onto the next plane for the next shoot. And I think when that stopped, everybody started working with photographers local to them or local to the region where they needed to do the shoot. And now I feel like it's back to the way it was pre-pandemic, although we all have learned how to do things in a much more independent and remote way. I feel like there's been a tremendous amount of change around corporate responsibility and the type of messaging brands have to come up with today in order to engage the modern consumer who seems much more informed than they once were, but also much more invested in impact and caring more about the general ecosystem that the brand represents as an idea. Anything from sustainability to diversity to positive impact as a whole over culture. So is that something that's made your process a little bit more complex? Or is the fact that you yourself are so invested in something like sustainability already a shoe in to contribute in such a way? It's interesting how, especially the younger generation, I think people really want to have a purpose-led business now. It's very attractive and everybody's looking for their business to have purpose. And what I mean by that is to stand for something and have an ideal beyond just selling pretty shoes. You know, you stand for women's empowerment or sustainability or inclusivity. And I think that's very much the marketing speak of today. And for me, having so much knowledge, I still feel lost, but I have a lot of knowledge about sustainability, more than probably the average person in fashion from doing more or less. And I think that it's helped me in that sort of way, working with brands and 
helping them to communicate and ideate their own sustainable messages. However, I think what's really important is for people to have integrity behind the messages that they're putting out. Of course. And with regards to your own relationship to something like sustainability, at what point in your life did that become important to you? It really became important to me only when I started doing more or less. Basically, I left Vogue. I had worked at glossy fashion magazines my entire life. And I just felt this kind of instinct and a need within myself really to create my own magazine, my own platform that celebrated fashion that wasn't about head-to-toe look straight off the catwalk that costs a zillion dollars. I wanted to do something a bit more democratic and a bit more celebrating personal individual style, which included vintage, craft, DIY, emerging designers. And so that was how more or less came about. But as I was putting the magazine together, I began to have lots of conversations with people, especially in vintage and resale. And I began to realize only then the importance of the conversation about fashion's impact on the planet. I met Livia Firth when I was putting together my first issue and told her the concept because part of it was that I really wanted to make a magazine that was about inclusivity and price point as well for fashion because I didn't want style to just be accessible to rich people. And she just pointed out to me, you have to be careful with that because if you're putting cheap clothes in your magazine, somebody getting stripped, somebody who worked in a factory that didn't get paid enough money to make that dress or things being made from unsustainable materials. And she really kind of schooled me in this brief lesson in sustainability and it opened up my world and I started doing tons of research. And now everything that we do for the magazine really is about sustainability and eco fashion. And is that business model more challenging from a commercial point of view? More or less is really a passion project. It's not something that really functions as a proper business. We donate all of our sales to environmental charities and charities that we believe in. We donated a portion of our sales from the last issue to Doctors Without Borders for Ukraine. So it's almost like not a business right now. I'm trying to find a way for it to sustain itself better. But at the moment, my creative studio, the work we output there and selling advertising to the magazine, that really just helps the magazine get put out and allows that platform to ex- to exist. Sadly, I don't get to live off of <laughs> making more or less. I wish I could. No, of course. But I do think that's a really relevant point because going back to the idea that consumers themselves are more informed than ever before, I think something like a more or less is incredibly appealing to a modern audience. And it's something that people would like to see more of. And My assumption is that the reason we don't is because it's less commercially viable than other sort of versions that are perhaps less environmentally friendly, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, I think the world's waking up. And actually, I think there's a tremendous opportunity now for a magazine positioned and being fully about sustainability. And we definitely are looking at new ways of earning money for the business. So I think it's almost like the timing hasn't been there. Yeah. I think we were a little bit ahead of our time, but actually I'm seeing more opportunity now for this to grow and become a bit more robust and self-sustaining as a business. I always joke around, I've made an unsustainable magazine about sustainability, but I think <laughs> we're going to, I think we're on our way to finding our way out of that, which is great. If we're talking about sustainability and print requires the use of trees and other things that impact environment. What about the print component is important to you for the magazine? 
I think the print component is important because honestly, it's a great way to get incredible contributors involved mm-hmm. in the magazine. Everybody loves the printed page and we create the magazine in a way that it's a collector's item. It's not something you throw away. It's like making a book. Mm-hmm. We don't print a bazillion copies. It's a limited edition run. All the paper is FSC certified from managed forests. So we chop down a tree and the trees planted. It's a well-maintained forest where the trees are source from. And we come out once a year in print. And it's purposely like a slow magazine. We don't want to do monthly that has 200,000 copies per month. It's a much smaller run. So in that sense, I can live with it. But the way we're really keeping the platform alive on a day-to-day basis is through our website and through social and all of our digital outputs, which is far more sustainable. I would think that the print component is the seed, the root, or the anchor, the nucleus, but the actual brand itself is undoubtedly growing in digital sectors. Totally. You mentioned in an effort to get heavier hitting teams and really contributors that they do value the print component even now. They really do. And I guess that is a very traditional way of looking at things in a sense, because ultimately every magazine, the first place that anyone sees it is on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's there is something really special. I was telling you earlier, I just spent my afternoon unpacking about 40 boxes of books <laughs> that I shipped over from London. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I've shipped all these books. This is insane. But I think having something printed on a shelf, a book, something with texture, something you keep and you get to look back at over the years. There's something really pleasurable in that. And it has a bit more soul than when we see a ephemera that comes and goes online. So I do believe that print has its place, but much more as like a collector's item that you keep. Yeah. And I can't help but wonder at what point will we see the majority of consumers reach the age where they don't have that reference for them the consumption of digital content exclusively is completely normal and so the need to hold what they already saw perhaps is not necessarily something that they can relate to i mean even today i saw a picture of a model who was holding her cover that she had gone to the magazine store to buy and take a picture with and it seems exciting and it's nice like you said to be able to hold something that's less ephemeral but obviously there's a generational kind of relationship to things as well absolutely and i just found out that kids don't learn cursive handwriting anymore oh you didn't know that i didn't know that i just heard that the other day and i was like oh my god just the whole idea of like writing and handwriting i don't know it's all it's all changing having a notebook i guess i'm sure kids take notes these days but yeah it's wild to me You've obviously worked in publishing for a significant amount of time at this point, and clearly things have continued to change along the way and perhaps even more so in recent years. But what do you think those changes are? I think the magazine and publishing world itself is completely different than it was even, I would say, four years ago when I was like at Vogue. Everything's just completely changed. Everything from what makes a good magazine cover to the importance of all these conversations like inclusivity of race and size and gender. What I love so much about fashion is that it's almost like a platform for cultural dialogue. And so everything that's happening in the wider culture gets pulled into what we do on a daily basis in fashion. I love everything that's happening right now and find it really exciting and inspiring. So 
I think being able to work harder to make magazine covers and images that resonate more with an audience and making a statement and being bold, I think that's super exciting. Because I think before, when I was in magazines, it was all about having a very safe cover. And and now you can't do that. Now, you know, you've got that moment on Instagram to be sensational. And I think everybody's trying to outdo each other with their covers as creative directors. I really felt like during the pandemic when nobody was going to work and everybody was like sitting around glued to their phones, but people were still putting out magazines. I felt like it was so exciting again to see magazine covers and everybody was doing things that reflected what was going on. Vogue had the photographers submit, you know, like a field or something, just something really unconventional that you haven't seen in a long time. It's really powerful. And just the way creativity, people using creativity to express culturally what's happening in the world at that given moment through magazine cover, it's super exciting. Yeah. In that way, magazines still hold a mirror up to their time. Absolutely. Well, thank you for holding Amir up to your time and bringing something like sustainability into the world of publishing. And thanks for taking the time. It was really fun to pick your brain today. Yeah, super fun to talk to you too. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of What's Contemporary Now. Special thanks to our show's producer, Cheyenne Asadi, Joseph Topmiller and Chase Coughlin of The Black Saw for the original theme music, and Aaron Marr for visual design. Subscribe now for a new episode each week, and for additional content, find us on social or at whatscontemporary.com.